Welcome again to church. Glad you're joining us from home, wherever you are. Um, it is the season that we call Advent. And uh, Advent just means coming. We celebrate the fact that, that Jesus came 2,000 years plus ago. Uh, we also remember and celebrate and wait for the time when he will come again and set everything that's wrong right. But right now, we're going to light a candle as we do um, in this season. I'm going to light the candle of hope. And as I light that, before I light that, let me read a passage from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what it is, the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And verse 19 too, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. So at this time, in our normal service, we, we bless the children, and when we have in-person service, we send them downstairs. But I'm going to bless them wherever they are, at home, um, maybe they're out back, <laughs> wherever you, if they're in earshot, maybe call them, even the young ones over. Um, let me pray a prayer of blessing for all of our kids. Uh, Michelle, Michelle is going to have a, a video, she'll post it in the Facebook group with a message towards the older kids. But right now, let me pray for all of our kids. Father God, I pray that as kids are home, as kids are on remote learning, as they're sitting behind a screen for hours and hours, as they maybe they're, all their needs are not being met, where they're having a hard time, as the weather gets colder, oh Lord, I just pray that they would know that you care about them. I pray that they would know we care about them. I pray, Father, that they would know how loved they are. I pray, Father, that you would bless the children of our church, that they would grow up to know, to fear, to serve, and to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been in this series called Faithful in the book of Hebrews. And in the last few weeks, we're, we're still pretty uh, fresh in it. We're up to chapter 4. We're going to go into chapter 5 this afternoon. But we have been looking at some pretty deep stuff. We've been talking about angels. We've been talking about prophets. We've been talking about the hypostatic union. We talked about the incarnation. We, we talked about all of these things. Last, last couple of weeks, we were talking about the Sabbath. And so what we're doing is we're looking at Hebrews, and Hebrews is a map of this big, beautiful, complicated, deep, amazing book called the Old Testament. It's a map. It helps us 
see all of the Old Testament in perspective. It helps us see Jesus through all of its pages. It, it, it helps us, it encourages us. And it was written to a bunch of Christians who came out of that background of worshiping the God of Israel as the Jewish people. And yet things were getting tough. Things were getting hard. And they wanted to ghost out on the church. They wanted to ghost out on Jesus. They wanted to moonwalk away from the Lord when things got hard. The book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is is calling us, be faithful, come back, consider Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider all your saints, consider those who went before you, and it goes on and on and on. Let us be faithful. So I want to read this passage, and then I want to look at some things that that jump out at us, and... um, See what God has for us today. So we are in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people. To offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and who are going astray, since he is also clothed with weakness. Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. And although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? I don't know about you, but I have been loving this series. I've been loving reading Hebrews. It's, it's been refreshing to my soul. And as I shared in the introduction, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's deep. Yes, it's like this big, giant map. Now, before we had... GPS that just told you the next step. What did we have? We had MapQuest, right? 
And your mom would have to tell you, make sure you print out the directions before we go to Florida or wherever, Ohio, to visit relatives. And, and before that, you had to get these, these maps that you unfolded. And if you were driving or you stopped on the side of the road, you'd unfold the map, and it would take up sometimes the entire field of view. <laughs> like you couldn't see the road anymore. <laughs> and then you'd need a marker, and you'd need to find where you are, and then you'd have to go, and you'd find where you're going, and you'd have to plot your course and you'd have to have somebody co-pilot and give you step-by-step -step instruction. And the Word of God is like that. Unfortunately, we do not have a GPS where it just tells us the next thing to go and the next thing to go and the next thing to go. And when we rely on just being like parrots and just repeating what we heard, we miss out on so much. And even as we drive, when we drive just obeying the GPS... We miss so much. Like, my wife likes to go the same way every time to every place she goes. I like to just try new places, <laughs> which brings anxiety. <laughs> but it's like, I'm sure if we go that way, it'll connect somehow. <laughs> and I want to learn. And when it comes to the Word of God, we, we want to explore. We want to look at the map. We want to go deep. Amen? We want to go deep. So what do we see in this passage? What do we see? We see, first of all, that this passage is mostly about what? A high priest. A high priest. And it's not in the passage, but I want to, I want to share with you a little bit about the high priest. I want to share a little bit about what the high priest did. I want to share a little bit of what that was like. And, and what you need to know is that in the Old Testament, and when they had the temple, the temple was like famous Dave's or Tim Monk's backyard every weekend or Mission Barbecue. What do I mean? It's like there was a massive, massive, and it's hard to, to under... It's hard to overstate how massive it was. I, I was actually reading about this, and the, the sacrifice system at the temple was one of the biggest drivers of the economy for the city. So people would come to the priests, and, and they would have their animals sacrificed. They would be cooked, right? And then they would be eaten. And they had this understanding that, that to take a life, and we get away from this. We get away from this. I remember um, not that long ago, I was, I was sharing with all of the social media friends that, hey, listen, in Africa, we had a turkey. And here's me holding the big turkey. And yeah, because it's not at the supermarket, you got to go to a guy, you got to have a plug for a guy who, like a turkey guy, right? And you got to go out to the farm, you got to get the turkey, you got to bring it home, and you got to do everything yourself because you're not going to find it in the supermarket. But I remember posting that and getting like 200 comments like, that's so sad. <laughs> now, almost all those folks were not vegans, they were eating turkey too. <laughs> But we've become removed from the fact that when we eat 
meat. There's a life that's been taken. And God's people in the Old Testament would have this front and center in a part of their lives. They would make these pilgrimages to Jerusalem. They would bring their calves. They would bring their lambs. They would bring their animals to be sacrificed by a priest. And the priest would have these four pieces of clothing. And you'd have a turban and you'd have a sash and a tunic, you know? And, 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 and he'd have this, this, um, this robe and it would all be white, representing being set apart, being holy, being pure. And the animal that you would bring would also be inspected by the priest. And the question would be, is this animal your best animal? Because you couldn't come to the temple and just like, sacrifice the animal which is about to die, which has all kinds of spots, a broken leg, this and that. You'd sacrifice your best. Bring it to God. But the high priest, the high priest, the, it would have to be a son of Aaron. It wasn't enough just to be in the priestly tribe of Levi, but it had to be a son of Aaron and had to be called by God. The high priest would have four other pieces of clothes. And I just want to share a couple with them. A couple, a couple. The, the, the one is that the high priest only would, would wear this breastplate. And on the breastplate, it would have these gemstones. There would be 12 different gemstones. And they would also, on each shoulder, have the ephod. And there would be, between the two shoulders, would be written the names of the 12 tribes. And it was the high priest's job once a year to put on these clothes and to have God's people, all the children of Israel, to have all of the tribes of Israel to be gathered and to be pressed up against his heart and to be bared on his shoulders as he made a sacrifice for the people. But as Hebrews tells us, that first he had to make a sacrifice for his own sins. So before he represents this offering for the sins of the nation, he himself must be cleansed. I mean, we can't. We're removed from this, but it's good to, to think about. It's good to take a, to, to, to like, Pause a little bit and think about this. Imagine you make your pilgrimage and you go to the priest and you bring your animal. And one of the things that the high priest would have you do is that the high priest would have, after having inspected your animal, after having cleared it and saying, you know, this is pure, acceptable, this is an offering unto the Lord, then the, high, the, the, the priest, rather, would ask you to put your hand on the head 
Now remember, Hebrews says, we have a high priest who isn't unsympathetic. You can't be a good priest without sympathy and without love. And so you would have this animal that is going to die, that is going to bleed, that is going to be sacrificed. And then you have this family who puts their hand on the head of this animal. And then they would have to name the sins they had committed. They would have to talk about the ways they had violated the law. The ways they had coveted their neighbor's things. The ways they had lied on their neighbor. The ways they didn't honor their family. The ways they had committed adultery. The ways they had been angry at the wrong times. The ways that they had fallen short of God's perfect law. And then that animal would represent a covering. It would represent that the penalty of sin, the penalty of violating God's law is death. And that animal will be sacrificed. Brothers and sisters, we have a high priest in Jesus who doesn't just bear against his heart and doesn't just bear on his shoulders just the 12 tribes, but the whole world. He bears the sin for each and every one of us. And we will learn in Hebrews as we continue to study that he is both the priest and the sacrifice. He is both the one praying for us, both the one inspecting the sacrifice and the one getting on the altar. And we read in Revelation that there would be this priest, there would be this one in all white robes, just like the priests of old. But this priest's robe was covered in blood. This wouldn't be the blood of animals. It would be his own blood. Do you understand that God loves you so much? He has dying love for you. Do you understand that he chases you so much that he sent his son into the world to be an atoning sacrifice for your sin? Do you understand that you have a high priest who is able to sympathize with you? What do we also see? We see this passage where it talks about Jesus, this high priest who is sympathetic, who who is both a sacrifice and the one who offers the perfect sacrifice, who prays for us, who ministers to us in sympathy, what do we also see? And we've learned in the past that, that unable, he's not unable to sympathize. We've learned that that means that God, the Son, the Word of God became flesh and set aside he set aside the power that he had and became vulnerable. And we know that this high priest is able to sympathize with us. Uh, I think that the author of Hebrews, when you look at the whole argument, big picture, I think the author of Hebrews is continuing to kind of exegete from chapter 1, and he's continuing to show us that, isn't it amazing, isn't it amazing that God used prophets when he had these angels? It's because 
there was this exaltation of angels that the author of Hebrews continually tries to correct. Continually. And I think that what we're seeing here is that the author of Hebrews is arguing that, that it, isn't, it, it wasn't in the Old Testament, it wasn't an angel that was the mediator between God and man. It wasn't an angel that was a mediator between God and mankind. But it was just a, a, a man that God called. A man that God called that needed to have sins, that had have his own sins forgiven, that would represent all of God's people bearing those gemstones against his heart and bearing the nation on his shoulders. And then explaining that he really didn't do that. It was a type. It was a, it was a sign. It was a foreshadowing of the real high priest. And then we get this curious passage. We, we, we hear about this priest called Melchizedek. And brothers and sisters, I just want you to know that, that um, for the sake of time, we are not preaching on Melchizedek today. But we, are, we, we will be preaching. I'll be preaching in a couple weeks when we get to chapter 7. And we will get introduced to Melchizedek and why it's important that Jesus is a high priest, but not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. But what do we see? We see this interesting passage, um, chapter 5, verse 9. It says, although he was the son, the son of God, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now we learned a couple weeks ago that, that Jesus is the one that was tempted in every way and yet without sin. And so what is the author of Hebrews trying to get at? He's saying Jesus never sinned. Jesus was tempted in all these different ways, and he never gave in. He, he never had a day where he was just like, you know what, I'm just going to give myself a break today. <laughs> I'm just going to give in to the selfishness today. I'm just going to give in to a little lust today. I'm going to give in to a little anger today. I'm going to give in to a little moodiness to control other people around me today. No, Jesus was tempted and every single time he put his foot down and he said, get behind me, Satan, and he was obedient. And yet this passage tells us that he learned, that he was perfected, that he grew. How did, how did the Son of God grow in obedience? How did the Son of God need suffering to learn obedience? It's, it's, some, it's different for us to say, you know what? No pain, no gain. <laughs> Amen? If you want to change, you're going to have to put in some work. But why, why, why Jesus? I was praying and thinking about this a lot, and I found this extremely helpful quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I'm going to read it for you. He says, perhaps some of you are asking, but why can we not obey without a learning obedience? The real reason is, first, because obedience has to be learned from experience. 
If a man is to learn a trade thoroughly, he must be apprenticed to it. A soldier sitting at home and reading books will not learn the deadly art of war. He must go to the barracks and the camp and the field of battle if he's to win victories and become a veteran. A dry land soldier, uh, sorry, a dry land sailor who never went even on a boat would not know much about navigation. Study as hard as he might, he must go to the sea to be a sailor. So obedience is a trade to which a man must be apprenticed until he has learned it, for it is not to be known in any other way. Even our blessed Lord could not have fully learned obedience by the observation in others of such an obedience as he had personally to render, for there was no one from whom he could learn. Do you hear what, what, what this preacher is saying? This preacher is saying that there is a lot of things in life that you can't re- learn just by reading about it in a book. Or even you have to do it. You have to live it. Nobody can be a soldier who's never been on the front line. Nobody can be a sailor who's never stepped into a boat. And if you want to be obedient, if you want to be obedient, you have to learn that through a painful process. And then he says, even Jesus, even Jesus, the only way for him to learn obedience, to be perfected, for him to grow in knowledge and all of that as he laid aside his divinity was he had to go through that process. And it's the fact that he went through that process that earns for us that eternal salvation we see in verse 8. It's the fact that he, he had to go through that painful process. We talk about the suffering of Jesus a lot of times. We talk about the nine hours or six hours, right, on the cross where he experienced hell. But the fact is, is that Jesus earned for us our salvation from day one. And as we turn our eyes to Christmas, as we think about the Advent, we think about the coming of our Lord, we need to praise God that from day one, the Lord said yes to the Father. He said yes to the Father every single time. How many times do you say no to God the Father in an hour? For about 33 years, he was faithful. There's that word again. What is this series all about? Faithful. And who are we really talking about? Jesus. He's the faithful high priest. Amen. Tim Keller said that if Jesus didn't think he could handle life without knowing the scriptures inside and out, What makes you think you can? Jesus put his time in. He knew that word. If you look at his life, he's constantly quoting the Bible in general, and especially the Psalms. And and, and some would argue, well, he could just tap into his divinity understand and know everything but 
Jesus did it the hard way for you and me. And if you look at every passage of dependency, if you look at all the places in the Word where Jesus is totally dependent on the Father, it's so clear that He cannot do life without God, that He cannot do life without His Word. He cannot do life without the presence and the filling of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, for us who come from rough baggage backgrounds, we need the presence of God. We need the Word of God in our hearts in mind. We need this. So what do we do with all of this that we have observed in this passage? Number one, we pray. It says, let us draw near to the throne of grace. We can go to this throne where the high priest has already made the sacrifice. Do you get it? You're already forgiven. Do you get it? You're already loved. You walk into the room with the Father. You don't have to sit in a waiting room with Peter or any angel. You don't have to sit in any waiting room where they examine to see if you're good enough to go to God. Jesus has shoved the door open permanently and has made a way for us to go straight to God. It's interesting. We live in a time where we no longer have the priesthood in the sense that we had it in the Old Testament, where we have a temple, where we have sacrifices being offered. And there's a reason in the New Testament you don't see the leaders of the church being called priests. Because that day has passed. Jesus has fulfilled it. He is the high priest. But in another sense, we learn from 1 Peter, right, that we are all, every single one of us, a royal priesthood. (laughs) Amen? And so we don't have priests. We have direct access to God. But because we have direct access to God, we are priests, and we can have this ministry of intercession. And so let's pray. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for others. Let's pray with boldness to the one who actually understands all the junk that we're going through. Let's also learn obedience through pain. Let's learn obedience through suffering. If Jesus was willing and didn't need to, but he was willing to go through this process of being humbled to be a man that had to learn everything, why why are we looking for a shortcut? We want to become a saint in a day and have no resistance in our flesh and to have ourselves mastered. And we want to just be in a spot where we are feeling great and in the presence of the Lord. And we want that to happen in a day when we spent 20, 30, 40, 50 years digging ourselves into a hole. Let's learn. Let's learn through the pain of study. Let's learn through the pain of prayer. Let's learn through the pain of life. Let's learn through the pain of loving. Do you know it's suffering to love, right? Like if you're going to really put your heart out there for anybody, um, you know, newsflash, like, like this is why so many people are saying like, hey, I ain't going to help nobody anymore. I've been hurt too many times. I'm done with that. And yet, thank God that he didn't look down at us and see a bunch of toxic people that he didn't feel like bumming his day out. He came to this world to save us toxic people. He was willing to pay the price of loving 
difficult, broken, stubborn. Hebrews 4, we just read verse 16. What does it say? Stubborn, wayward. <laughs> That's you and me. We don't listen, and we don't want to listen. That's what those two words mean in this passage. What else do we do? We study God's word. I, I said, we notice Melchizedek here. We're going to go into this. We're going to go into this in a couple weeks. And uh, we do this not to be fulfilled, like fulfilling our sense of curiosity. This is really big. Anybody, um, anybody at home? I'm sure some of the older folks remember the newlywed game. And they, they revived it several times. And in the newlywed game, they, they take these people that are just married, and they kind of compete against other people that are just married, and they have to answer a series of questions, and they got to see who really knows their new spouse. And it's entertaining because clearly sometimes there's a deficiency on one end or the other. But with the Lord and his word, here's the thing. We don't, now some, some of those people come on, and, and, and it's really awkward and it's weird. They come on and they just like, they kill it. And you know, you know that they studied for the test, <laughs> right? Like they just know weird, obscure things about each other. And in their insecurity, they studied for the test. And what I want you to know is that we want to know about things like Melchizedek. We want to know things, the angels and the incarnation. We want to know about all these deep things in the Word of God. Not because we want to be able to show other people our knowledge and flaunt it. Not because we want God to be impressed with us because He never will be. Do you hear that? That's good news. God loves you, but He's not impressed with you. And you don't need them to be. <laughs> no. We want to know. Like, I know, I know the color of my wife's hair. And details about her childhood. I know a lot about her, not because I'm studying for a test, but because I love her. So let's study the word of God like that. Let's pray. Let's go to God. We have a high priest. Let me pray for us. Father God, I pray that we would put into practice our soap. <laughs> we would write out scripture, write out observations, write out application, write out prayer. Lord, help our church to be disciplined, to study your word, not to study for a test, not to impress other people, but because we love you and we want to know more about you. We want our lives to change. Lord, I thank you for every single person here um, helping out in the service, those who are watching online now, those who will watch online in the days to come as they catch it. Oh, Lord, I pray, I just pray, Father, that you would bless us, that you would be with us, that you would encourage us, Lord, thank you that we have a high priest who bears all of our burdens on his shoulders, who keeps us close against his heart, who isn't unsympathetic, who opens the door to us that we can go into the throne of grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Amen. Amen.